listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Today's scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 1 to 12. I can't see it, but I'm sure it's up in front of you. Jesus left that place and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds again gathered around him, and, as was his custom, he again taught them. Some, testing him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then, in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Thanks for that reading, Kurt, I think. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be a fun one. How are we doing? How are we doing with that reading? Oh, boy. What was that? One of your favorites, I'm sure. Yes, yes. Oh, the highlights. Mark 10. Mm. Um, normally, normally, I try to start these sermon things off with like a, some kind of introduction, but let's, let's just get into it because this, this is a sticky one. Um, our scripture reading for today is going to be problematic for a lot of people, uh, myself included. Um, sometimes as Christians... When we come across problematic, challenging Bible passages, we don't always handle them very well. Am I right about that? Um, Our gut instinct is usually to um, just explain away these challenging passages or just ignore them, pretend they're not there at all. So we either just like dismiss it as like a cultural thing or we put on blinders and we just don't talk about it. Neither of those really help resolve the issue in this case. Personally, I think it's super important that we talk about problematic Bible passages in church, and we've got to start by acknowledging the problems. We can't dodge them. We can't pretend they're not there. We've got to recognize the problems in the text that we're reading. This is a challenging text, and it's challenging on at least three different levels. First is heteronormativity. The second is what Jesus has to say about divorce and remarriage. And the third is the patriarchy. This is going to be a fun 20 minutes. Um, let's, <laughs> we got a, a, a meeting after church too, right? So this is, we're going to be here all day. Um, let's start with the heteronormativity piece though, uh, because this is the one that I think we don't talk about enough in church. Jesus' response to this question about divorce is extremely heteronormative. There's just no way around it. Uh, it's assuming a heterosexual understanding of marriage. Uh, verse 6, just to read this part again. From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. 
For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. That's pretty heteronormative. The assumptions at play here is that marriage is between a man and a woman. It should be acknowledged that the Pharisees are not asking Jesus to define marriage. That's not the question that's before Jesus in this passage. Um, they're not asking him to weigh in on the, on the marriage debate. That wasn't a thing. They're asking him about divorce. But this is still a pretty heteronormative response. And we've got to talk about this. We see this a lot in biblical texts about marriage. They will almost always use uh, exclusively male, female, husband, wife, language. Uh, this comes up whenever I've done marriages for same-sex couples. Uh, usually it's in premarital counseling. We'll be looking at things the Bible has to say about marriage, and this is always an issue, and understandably so. The way I will usually handle it is I try to remind folks, and I try to remember myself, that we are reading a 2,000-year-old document. That's not a slam against the Bible. That's not to dismiss it. That's just a fact. This text is 2,000 years old. A lot of people in our culture weren't thinking about same-sex marriage 25 years ago, let alone 2,000 years ago. I know I wasn't. I was only 12 at the time, so, so a little grace. But this is, this is what progress does. You don't have to look back too far in our own history to see like, wow, we kind of missed the boat on that one too. And this is where I think we need to acknowledge the cultural setting of the text and try to read it without the heteronormativity. That's what I will usually do with a passage like this. Don't ignore it. Just translate it into today's terms. So when I'm doing premarital counseling with a same-sex couple, I will usually say, wherever you see husband or wife in the passage, just think spouse. The Bible's advice for married couples still applies. There is still wisdom here. We've just got to read around that heteronormative lens. That's what I usually do with it. That doesn't do much to solve the second problematic aspect of this passage, though, which is Jesus' words about divorce and remarriage. Let's reread that part as well. Uh, verse 11. Jesus said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. What are we going to do with that? We have divorced people in our church. Are they doomed to, like, forced celibacy and singleness the rest of their lives? What about folks uh, who got divorced and are remarried? Are they committing adultery? That's what Jesus seems to be saying here. This is an area where even biblical literalists will struggle, people who insist on reading every part of the Bible literally. Uh, these are the folks who are usually rushing to defend biblical marriage, right? Like they'll say things like, marriage is between one man and one woman, the Bible says it, that settles it. Meanwhile, they're on like their third or fourth mar marriage themselves, <laughs> which is, you know, they've missed a part clearly. Um, I actually saw this church sign on Facebook a few weeks ago. Uh, it's from St. Mary Magdalene Episcopal Church, and it reads, We truly regret that gay marriage attacks the sanctity of your fourth marriage. <laughs> like, that's pretty good. That's, you, I'm going to steal that. that is gonna, that's going to be on our sign before too long. Um, 
But this is the problem with a sort of rigid biblical literalism. It's all fine and dandy until it applies to you. Folks will read the Bible literally to beat up on other people, but as soon as it comes back to themselves, well, there's some kind of a workaround, or we just don't talk about that passage, or, 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 that's not a good way to read the Bible, folks. That's not consistent. We're going to come back to this whole divorce and remarriage thing. But first, we've got to tackle the third problematic aspect of this passage, the patriarchy of it all. You see this from the very beginning of this passage, verse 2, with the question that is posed to Jesus. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Put that question up there on this slide. There we go. Pay very close attention to the wording of that question. Often I think we get so hung up on Jesus' answer, we kind of forget to look at the question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? The question isn't, like, under what circumstances is divorce lawful? Or is it lawful for a married couple to separate? No. The question is, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? The patriarchy is just dripping off the page here. See, in ancient Jewish culture, as in most ancient cultures, we should say, women had no rights. They weren't just second-class citizens. They weren't citizens at all. Women couldn't own property. They couldn't testify in court. If you were a woman, you couldn't take another person uh, to, to like a lawsuit or something like that. Certainly not a man. Women couldn't even initiate divorce. It was illegal back then for a woman to leave her husband for any reason. And that's because Jewish law, and it needs to be said, like most laws back then, treated women like property. Marriage was an exchange of property from the household of the father of the bride to the groom. This is where dowries come from. You're paying for another man's property. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? This is super important to highlight right now at a time when the rights of women are under attack. I know we've got a range of opinions in this church. We've got pro-lifers. We've got pro-choicers. We've got a lot of folks who are somewhere in the middle. But this isn't just about abortion. There are state legislatures talking about outlawing stuff like contraception. The governor of Mississippi was on TV last Sunday. I watched the interview. The reporter asked him if he'd ever sign a law outlawing contraception in his state, and he refused to answer. I'm sorry, that should be an easy no. <laughs> especially if you're pro-life. Some of these state abortion bans uh, that could be going into effect really soon don't make exceptions if the life of the mother is at stake. That's not pro-life, guys. That's anti-women. So the patriarchy in this passage is very relevant. This is real-world, right-now stuff. In the first century, if a man divorced his wife, <clears throat> her life was pretty much over. That was it. You were destitute. She could maybe go back to her father's house if her father was still living and could afford to take her, but generally, divorced women were left on their own. They were damaged goods. They had no rights, no income, no safety net to catch them. So in Judaism at the time, you actually had two schools of thought when it came to divorce. One school of thought 
taught that men could only leave their wives in cases of adultery, if they'd been unfaithful. Um, If there had been some infidelity, if your wife had cheated on you, then in that school of thought, it was fine to cast her aside and let her fend for herself. That was, that was like the progressive side for back then. Um, and of course, remember, women can't testify in court. So if a man says his wife has been unfaithful, she really has no recourse or defense anyway. That was one perspective. The other school of thought was that a man could divorce his wife for any reason at all, for doing anything that displeased him, even burning his food. Literally, I'm not making this up. Um, This is a quote from the Mishnah, which is a collection of teachings by various rabbis around the time of Jesus. A man may divorce his wife even if she spoiled a dish for him, for it is written, because he hath found in her indecency in anything, even if he found another fairer than she. For it is written, and it shall be if she found no favor in his eyes. So you had one school of thought that only permitted a man to divorce his wife in cases of adultery. And the other school of thought said you can basically leave her whenever you want, for whatever reason you want. Those were the two options in this patriarchal hellscape of the first century. Those were your choices. This is why Mark calls this a test. You might not have caught that. Uh, In verse 2, he notes that these people are testing Jesus. Some testing him asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? This question's a test because you've got two schools of thought. And the Pharisees are trying to get Jesus to locate himself. They're trying to make him pick a side. Jesus is getting super popular. His following is growing. Let's see if we can out him. Let's see if we can expose him as a progressive or a traditionalist, a liberal or a conservative. Whatever side he picks, he's bound to lose half his followers. So they ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Where do you stand? Which side are you on? And Jesus flips the script. Verse 3, check this out. Jesus answered them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and divorce her. But Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What God has joined together, let no one separate. Now again, it needs to be said, I've seen this line, this passage used in some terribly destructive ways. I know women who were in abusive marriages who were told based on this passage that they couldn't leave their husbands because Jesus doesn't permit divorce. I submit to you that is a bad reading of this passage. Jesus isn't saying that people should stay in abusive relationships. He's not beating up on people who get divorced. Jesus is saying, in his context, that women are not property to be thrown away for any reason. That is the subtext of this. That's what's being said. In a culture where women were essentially sold by their fathers to their husbands, Jesus flips the script. A man 
shall leave his father and mother to be joined to his wife. That's backwards of how they usually treated it. Marriage is about two equal partners being joined together. It is not a sale of property. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm glad a man said that. (laughs) This is what's kind of, this is what's going on between the lines, uh, even with the divorce and remarriage part, a little bit later. After this exchange uh, with the Pharisees, the religious teachers, the disciples asked Jesus to elaborate on this teaching. These men are confused by the idea that women have agency, um, apparently. And this is what Jesus says to the disciples. Verse 11, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now remember, women could not divorce their husbands for any reason. There is no legal way in Judaism for a woman to leave her husband. So anyone hearing this back then would have understood this as Jesus putting a double responsibility on the husband in the situation. In this patriarchal culture, Jesus is saying, if you abandon your wife and marry someone else, you are committing adultery. And then if someone else comes along, takes pity on your wife, and marries her, you're causing her to commit adultery. So the husband is twice in the wrong based on this. This was a revolutionary idea 2,000 years ago, you guys. Like, you have no idea. Jesus is generations ahead of anyone, any of his contemporaries. No one is thinking like this. But what do we do with this revolutionary idea today? 2,000 years later, is this still revolutionary? How do we apply this teaching now? If someone gets divorced and remarried in our context, are they committing adultery? I would say it depends. Let me say more about that, though. It depends on the situation. There are some people who treat marriage too lightly. Sorry, I got something in my mouth. There are people who don't give marriage the weight it deserves, the seriousness it deserves. Uh, I'm thinking of folks who get married without a second thought and divorced without a second thought. Um, People who get bored with their spouse and so they ditch them and find someone new. I don't think Jesus would be a big fan of that, still. But I also don't think that's why most marriages end in divorce. Most marriages I've seen end up in divorce got there because they were deeply unhealthy marriages. Maybe there was abuse or neglect. Uh, Maybe there was a history of lying or unfaithfulness. Uh, Maybe the two partners worked and worked to save their marriage, to fix things, but in the end, there was just no fixing it. I think we need to have grace for people in those situations. I think Jesus would have had grace for them. A few years back, I performed a wedding uh, for a woman who'd been divorced. Uh, Her first husband was abusive of her and her kids, Um, so she got out of there. She took the kids, moved in with her mom, uh, filed for divorce, and thank God she did. Then a few years later, she met a wonderful man who loved her dearly and was amazing with her kids. It was an honor for me to perform that wedding. Personally, I can't see Jesus having a problem with that. 
I can't see Jesus telling an abused wife she needs to stay with her abuser. Not my Jesus. Not the Jesus who elevates women at every turn. Not the Jesus who had women among his closest followers. Not the Jesus who commissioned Mary Magdalene to be the first person to announce the good news of the resurrection to all the male disciples who were hiding off in a room somewhere. Not that Jesus. And I don't think we have to read this text that rigidly. In fact, I think this text actually gives us a workaround. A lot of people will argue that you have to read every part of the Bible literally, especially if it comes out of the mouth of Jesus. Forget about context, forget about nuance, forget about the setting or how times have changed. These are the words of God and they are forever. Notice though that that is not how Jesus reads his Bible in this passage. Jesus quotes from the Bible in this passage and he is clearly not a literalist. The Pharisees point out that the Jewish law permits a man to divorce his wife. They're Quoting Deuteronomy 24, by the way, which is still in our Bibles. It's the Word of God. The Word of God permits a man to leave his wife, but look at Jesus' response, verse 4. It's because of your hardness of heart he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. God told the Israelites that men could leave their wives. God gave them a process, a set of laws to facilitate divorce. It's in the Bible. But just because it's in the Bible does not mean it reflects the heart of God. Just because something is in the Bible does not mean automatically it reflects the heart of God. God gave you that command because of your hardness of heart. These teachings you're referring to, they're in the Bible because your heart was too hard to receive anything else. They don't reflect God's heart. We have to submit everything to Christ. Every Bible passage we come across, every verse taken out of context, every interpretation we make when we're trying to apply the text in real life, we've got to submit it to the heart of Christ. Our authority in the church goes Jesus and then the Bible, not the other way around. Jesus is the top, the head. And this isn't an invitation to just willy-nilly dismiss anything we don't like in the Bible. That's not a very good way to read the Bible either. And that's not what I'm saying. This is a call to faithfulness in how we read the Bible. I have a really high view of the Bible. I believe God inspired every word of it. But I also believe God was working with a bunch of nitwits. (laughs) God was working with some hard-hearted people whose hearts did not always line up with where God was even leading them. So whenever we read the Bible, we've got to be faithful to the way of Christ, especially challenging passages like these. We've got to look to Jesus first. We've got to ask questions like, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? Where does the Spirit of Christ lead in this particular topic? We're going to get it wrong sometimes because we're a bunch of nitwits too. (laughs) That part hasn't changed. But we always have to begin by asking 
Does the way we read the Bible, when we're approaching the Bible, match the heart of Jesus? Is that where we're at? And when marriages fall apart, even though the two partners worked and worked to keep it together, when we encounter a relationship that is unhealthy or abusive, when someone who went through the trauma of divorce finds an opportunity to love again, we've got to seek the heart of Jesus. And the heart of Jesus is going to point us toward grace. It's going to point us toward love. It's going to point us toward recognizing the humanity of those at the margins who've had their rights stripped away. And it's going to point us to new life. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to reveal your heart and to elevate the least of these. Thank you for sending Jesus as a champion for women in a patriarchal time. God, help us to discern the heart of Christ. Give us wisdom, especially as we read the Bible, Lord and especially with difficult texts like these. Use your spirit to guide us, equip us, and empower us, revealing your will and your grace. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.